You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. Executive Director with the Intermountain Church Planters Association. And uh, I saw in this video this amazing couple named Dave and Eileen Benton, and they're sitting right there. They were my... Uh, they were my Sunday school teachers back when I was a kid. So uh, <laughs> uh, they're part of your church. So they, uh, I, I just want to say that the person that I know that has the most active and vibrant prayer life is the, the man that I'm stepping into his shoes, Steve Edwards, who's right over here. He was the previous executive director of the Intermountain Church Planners Association. And both of those people, those, the couples and people that I just want to mention to you that we don't do this alone, this, this walk of faith. We do it together. Uh, we learn from each other. We're discipled by one another. And, and so I just want to say, if you're not in a, a, in a group here at Hill City, you should really think about it. Because I know that this is an opportunity, a season that you can actually learn and grow how to put some of the practices and the principles that we're teaching into your life. Actually do that, because that's, that's how we do it. We do it alongside one another, okay? Um, now, I, I, I was listening to Josh say that I had the most active prayer life he, of any pastor he knows, and I was like, oh, great, man, I better... <laughs> I got, I got room to grow. And I, I was thinking about this, because this, I've been here all week. I, I live in Salt Lake City. And I was up here for the assessment. I preached in Twin Falls, Idaho last Sunday. Uh, I had a board meeting yesterday. And the week was packed, and I was getting ready to preach here. And I, could, I was leaving my house on Friday. And I was, I was going out, and I realized... My, my jaw was just like clenched tight. And I, I realized I actually had to practice what I'm preaching today and take some time to pray. And I, I did that. And actually the verse that, uh, that Josh preached on last week, the, or the words of Jesus, it says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Those, those, those very words sparked into my mind, and it was just amazing what happened within my own soul. Like, my jaw started to release a little bit, and the tension started to fade away, and I was able to kind of give some of these burdens, these tensions over to, to God, knowing that he actually does want to do what he says right there. He wants to give us rest, and that's what we're hoping that you can experience in this season as you learn what, what we're learning together, right? This is something we're doing alongside of one another. How to stop rushing around. This sermon is called, the sermon series is called No Hurry. And through this sermon series, we're looking at four different spiritual practices. And the one that I'm looking at today is silence and solitude. And the reason why we're practicing silence and solitude is because when we actually make space in our life to meet with God, he always fills it. That's a promise that we have through scripture. And I don't know why you hurry, but one of the reasons I hurry is uh, because I think oftentimes the whole weight of the world, like, it, it's on me. Like, if I don't do everything, it's not going to happen. I don't know if any of you are in that same camp, um, but that is not gospel thinking. 
That's not truth. That's not even humanistic, right? It's like the world was moving before you came, and it will continue to move after you leave. Um, and, and so we just want to say this, this whole thing is going to keep moving. We believe as Christians that God is actually the one moving it all. It isn't just by chance. It isn't by accident. And we actually can rest those things on him because anything that we feel, he's actually the one who's carrying them. And the, the second reason that I think I hurry is because, like I was saying, when we come to God, we get filled. But I think if I do more, this is a false belief, but I think when I do more, I can get filled like if I spend just another hour at the gym, then I'll have some sort of fulfillment, right? Or if I spend another hour at work, I'll have some level of fulfillment, maybe financially or some other level of fulfillment in my, my job uh, title or role, whatever that might be. I, I believe that if I just take a little more time to do the things that the world says you should do, that will actually lead to some level of fulfillment. And I don't know what it's for you, but those are a couple for me. And so Jesus does say, though, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't know how you rest, but I think a lot of rest that we try to do is also caught up into this culture of hurry. It's like we, we either do one of two things to rest. We either do a lot of things like Let's go skiing and snowshoeing. Let's go hiking. Let's get out and go biking. Or, or it's, it's actually, let's just flop on the couch and watch Netflix because I'm so tired. I can't do anything. And, and honestly, neither one of them for me lead to what I'm hoping this practice of silence and solitude can do for you if you start to implement it into your life, which is actually being filled. That's the hope, that we actually make space in our life that's what Josh was talking about last week. Make space in our life, and then God actually comes into that space that we've created. And silence and solitude are a way to do that. As Josh was saying last week, I know that he just hyped me up as being this spiritual giant or something, but I'm doing this with you. Um, this is not just me coming and, and preaching at you. I really feel like this is a process God has been taking me through to learn. Even today, while we were doing communion, I realized ways in which I've, I've tried to fill myself up this week. And, and as I was sitting here taking this communion, I was realizing God actually wants to fill me today. And I believe he wants to fill you as well. Now, the first time I pra tried to practice this principle, uh, it was one of my professors at the Bible college. Um, and I, I know he, he was part of your guys' history, John Whitaker, uh, he, he asked us in a Philippians class to go and spend a whole day in silence, just me and God and my Bible. And, and so I, I lived here, and I, I went to Ann Morrison Park, and I spent a whole day in silence, and it was the most horrible thing I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was honestly... Like I was, I'd been riding a, a, a motorcycle at 100 miles an hour, and then I jumped off of it. Like it was one of those things where my life was at such a pace. I mean, I was working 25 hours for Boise Parks and Recreation. I had ministry duties and jobs, which were like 10 to 15 hours a week. I had all my all of my studies. Uh, I I was going at a pace that was very fast, and trying to stop. It's like my body was still moving. My mind was still moving even though my body had stopped, right? It's, it's like I jumped off the motorcycle and it's like you don't just stop, you're gonna skid across the pavement for a while. And so what I hope that I can bring today 
in this message of silence and solitude is just maybe an easier landing for you off of the, it's, 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 it might feel like jumping off a motorcycle for you. I just want to put it out there again. When you make space for God, he will fill it. And so let's, uh, let's just go for a softer landing along the way. Is that all right? You guys ready to jump into that for today? Yes. Yeah? Okay. So I had a lot of preconceptions about prayer. One of the, the key pieces of silence and solitude is just prayer. We, we actually are making space to connect with God. And one of my preconceptions about prayer is that it was mostly about talking to God. And, and in fact, I, there's, there's an acronym, and it's not in, in, on the slides, but it's an acronym called ACTS that I was taught all through uh, when I was a kid and even in Bible college. And if you want to make notes, you can, but it says adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Those are the four parts of prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And, and basically, you're, just, you're, you're praising God like we just did this morning with songs, but you can do that in a lot of different ways. Confession, uh, I've always thought of that as like telling God my sins. We'll talk about what that really looks like in just a minute. Thanksgiving, being thankful to God, and then supplication is just asking God for things, but all of them are me talking to God. And so I, I was like, okay, that's, that's what I always imagined prayer to be. And because of that, I think my prayer life was poor because I, didn't want, I, I wasn't getting a lot out of it. It just felt like me saying a lot of words. And so what I want to do is I want to add another S. Uh, by the way, every spiritual practice we're going to look at in the next four weeks starts with an S. And so I'm going to add the S right here, which is silence. So uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, silence, and then supplication. So acts, right? That's what we're going to put in there. So... Now, today, one of the things that we need to do is, you know, silence isn't like, in, in the Eastern, I guess, Eastern religions, when you meditate, when you try to make time for God, let's say, you're trying to empty yourself. And that's it. Now, within the Christian faith, we don't empty ourselves for no purpose. The reason why we do silence is because we actually want to... God to fill us. We believe we're, we're actually making space for God, not just so that there's space, but we believe that God's voice will actually come into that space and do something very spectacular. But how do we take moments and actually listen to God? That's the question that I actually want to make time to answer today. And before we do that, though, I, I want to show you some, some pictures. And uh, are any of you fans of the Hubble Space Telescope? Anybody? You've heard of it? How many of you are fans of the new James Webb Space Telescope? Okay, we got, I, like, I like this youngest uh, fan over here. Um, amazing photos. Let me just show you a few here. Now, this is dust into space, and, and this is actually, I guess, how I've, I've been learning. This is how nebulas are formed. These dying stars put dust out into space, and then inside of those nebulas, new stars can be birthed. And this is a, go to the, the next slide, this is a nebula right here. But these sorts of images don't even look like they're real, do they? I mean, this is amazing how beautiful that is, and how did that come to fruition? Well, we, we could debate about that all day, but what the Bible says, what the scriptures teach us, is out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. It says, and God said, let there be light. 
So, I don't know if you saw those pictures, but there was four words, let there be light. And all the amazing things that you can see in all the universe came into being. Let there be light. Now, the reason I bring this up about listening to God is because four words brought all these amazing things into creation. And I think it's really significant for us because there's a passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and this is the main passage today. So you might add it into your rhythm of reading this week or if you're memorizing these scriptures as we go. Uh, this is a great one to memorize. Uh, it's been one of the most impactful verses in my life over the past two years. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, For, for God who said... Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Okay, what this passage is saying is the same God who said, let there be light, those words that he spoke and all those beautiful things we just saw came into existence that same God has this, the desire to bring light into your soul. Now, I don't know if anybody in here is experiencing any darkness inside of you today. I just want you to feel a little bit of hope because this is a promise from God saying that there's actually hope that that darkness, whatever it is inside of you, it might be anger, it might be sadness, it might be trauma, it might just be a lot of anxiety because you're experiencing a lot of stress. Whatever it is, there's hope that light can be shined into that darkness, that God wants to actually meet you there. And, and silence and solitude has that capacity because when you make space, God fills it, Right? The same God who spoke, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now, <clears throat> how does God intend to shine his light into that darkness? I don't know what darkness you're experiencing, but how does he intend to do it for you? Well, I just want to ask, how did he do it when he created the earth? What do he say? Let there be light. He spoke, right? It's his voice. So that God actually wants to speak and let light shine into whatever darkness you're experiencing. He can actually eradicate that and he can bring complete beauty and light and goodness, exactly what Jesus spoke when he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That rest that Josh spoke about last week is an invitation back to the garden. And what happened in the garden? God and man walked perfectly with each other, right? So there was this beautiful relationship, this connection I imagine there was actually conversation. It wasn't just one way where, you know, like I had been doing for so long with prayer, where it was just me talking. That's not a relationship. That's not walking side by side. That's not a good date, right? It's, it doesn't work. If you're doing that, stop doing that. 
Start having conversations with people when you go out. But this is the thing that God is inviting us into. Come to me. He wants to be with us. He wants for us to experience his presence. Now, if we're going to do that, we have to actually learn to hear his voice. That's an important thing. Now, there is a quality about God's voice. And here's what I know is that in 1 Kings 19, 12, it says, it's a still, small voice. It's, it's, it's a whisper is what we should take from that. Last night, I was at the Boise State football game. <laughs> there weren't a lot of whispers being heard, okay? They're, they're like putting decibels up on the screen to be loud. You know, it's like, I don't know, uh, my wife has been a single mom for the last week, you know? And I can just imagine that when, we get, when I get home today, later today, in Salt Lake, and I'm trying to talk with her, and there's three kids in the room, and they're saying, mom, 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 and we're trying to talk. The quality of that conversation isn't going to be good, as good as later in the week when I take her out on a date night, and we're able to actually connect and talk and work through all the things that happened this week while we were apart from each other, right? This is the sort of thing that God invites us to, and it's the sort of quality of his voice. He wants to connect with us, and that means that we do have to make space for him. Silence and solitude is really the art of learning to hear God's voice. It's making an appointment with the creator and then keeping it. That's what it is. So <clears throat> we can learn, I think, from a story in scripture. Uh, it's, a, it's from the book of Samuel, and it's about the boy Samuel. And uh, there's uh, this, this passage in 1 Samuel 3.1 and it says, uh, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Now, <clears throat> let me just tell you a little bit of backstory. So Samuel, in the first couple chapters, didn't look like he was ever going to be born. In fact, his mom was barren. And so she came to the temple and she prayed. She came to God and in, in silence, actually. Um, she was not even speaking. She was, she was like, her mouth was moving, but she, was, she wasn't talking. And the priest thought she was drunk, right? And so, but he blessed her after she said, no, I'm just praying to God. And he said, may whatever you're praying for happen. And what ends up happening is this, this boy Samuel comes, and she dedicates him to the Lord. And when he's old enough to go to the temple and be actually raised there by this priest that thought she was drunk, uh, she takes him there, and he starts to learn what it looks like to actually follow God and to know him. And what we, what we have here is just a little snapshot into what was happening in this day, where the word, of the word of God, like hearing his voice was super rare, just wasn't happening very often. And, and I just want to take a side note. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were amongst the people and a group here at Hill City uh, that Future generations that hear about us thought the opposite. Like, the word, of the, the word of God was like working through that community, and God was transforming lives, and he was doing things like bringing young women to be baptized, and, and wouldn't, wouldn't that be a cool thing to have as a reputation in this community moving forward into the future? Anybody want that? Yes. Yeah. Instead of the word of the Lord was rare. Like, nobody was trying to listen to God in this day. We can learn something from that, right? Now, Samuel, at this time, didn't know how to hear from God either. And in fact, 
God showed up to speak to him twice, and he says, Samuel, and he goes off and he runs to Eli, the priest, and he says, hey, here I am, right? He keeps thinking it's a person trying to talk to him, but it's these requests from God, and, and eventually, Eli, the priest, realizes that this is God trying to talk, and he gives this instruction to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, and I think we can learn from this. It says, a third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. <clears throat> so I've got a few points that I want to bring up. Because if, if we make space for God, right, he will fill it. And so the, the question is, how do we do that? How do we make space for God? And I've got four points that we're going to go through. And it's uh, first to find a quiet space or a quiet place. And then it's telling God the truth, listening to his voice, and then doing what he says. And these are things that I'm pulling out of this section of scripture. Now, we see that Samuel actually made space for God by literally, he's in the temple, he's in the tabernacle, I guess, at that time, and he goes and he lays down. He, he lays down to listen. He, he does that. But noise and distraction are the things that actually get in the way of us experiencing God, making space for God. So life is always going to try to, it's kind of like sand. If you try to take sand and you move it out, what happens? It's like it just fills right back in. It doesn't, it's, it's really hard to dig a hole in sand or, or even harder to try to do that with water, right? It's like it's always trying to fill itself back in. And so this, this whole thing is, is a big deal. In order to create that space, you have to find a quiet place. And I've been trying to learn this and, and practice these practices in my own life. And the first one is, is this, in the morning, <laughs> The morning, you should do a quiet time. Before you touch your phone, before you, you get up and do anything else, you should wake up and start a conversation with God. I do this even before I start reading my Bible. Is it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy. And so make a quiet time. The other one is this, it's, uh, and I'm going to spend a little more time on this because some of you might have a quiet time, and what I want to have happen is for you who have a quiet time, when you go into your groups later this week, I want you to actually tell in detail with your, your people in your group that don't have a quiet time what you actually do in that quiet time. Often it's a lot of prayer. It is time in the Word, reading the Bible, letting God's Word speak to you. You know what, this section in Samuel is actually... was right out of my quiet time, that you're making space for God to speak in your life. And just one other quick note. Um, who has a hard time waking up in the morning and like snoozes? Okay. Um, so here's a hack for your prayer life that actually fits into those people who like to snooze, because I like to snooze. My alarm goes off at 4.44 in the morning. And I like to snooze, and then I go to the gym at 5.45. And so I, I eventually get up, because I know I have to get up and get ready. But uh, I snooze a few times, and so I wake up, and I start praying. 
and then I fall back to sleep. <laughs> and, then, and then the snooze goes off, and I wake up, and I start praying again. And, and sometimes I, I just get up, because it's just like, man, my, like God starts speaking, and that, that verse, the same God who brought light out of darkness speaks and brings light into our soul. Like, that starts happening, and you can't go back to sleep when that happens. And so just want to say, this is actually part of my practice, is using the snooze. It, it, it works, okay? Um, jump in and try it. Um, it gives you an excuse to give uh, you know, the snooze a try, a couple times at least. Um, the other one is what Peter Cesaro uh, talks about in, in his book, and it's uh, the daily office. I don't know uh, if I like that term exactly, but it's a, it's a great term. And what I've realized is that he's basically saying, make an office appointment with God, but don't, don't just do it in the morning. Actually make space in your day to make an office visit, like going to the doctor's office with God. Now, here's something that I've learned. Here's a little hack for me, is that uh, I actually work better when I'm moving. And I'd learned this from a doctor, talking about a doctor's office when I lived in Pullman, Washington. And uh, he would never meet with me sitting down. It's like whenever we met, it was, we were moving because he's like, your brain starts to go to sleep as soon as you stop moving. You guys are all doing that right now. So it's not good for me. But uh, you, you, if you keep moving, like your brain is actually at its best. Blood is pumping. And so why not come and pray and, ask, and talk to God when your brain is at its best, right? So I've started to actually walk and pray. That's a huge part of my daily office, is to actually make time in the middle of my day to stop and just walk. And I actually learned this from Steve. It was in February 2021. It isn't because I'm super spiritual. Steve had been doing it since 2020. Uh, and so I'd heard a lot of stories from him. Uh, but I was going to preach on silence and solitude, and I thought, well, I better try this, because if I don't, then I'm going to be a hypocrite. And so it wasn't because I'm awesome. It's just because I didn't want to look like an idiot. And so I, six weeks before I preached, in the, February 1st, 2021, I went out on my first prayer walk just to see what it was like. And in just a second, I'll tell you more about that. <laughs> because... I want to tell you about a couple quick tools that you can use. Um, in Utah, because this has transformed me so, so much, we started working with an app developer in Switzerland on an app called Walk and Pray. And so we've been using that. And last year, uh, or not, sorry, this year, this feels like last year, it's, time moves slow, but it's in, in starting in February or in March this year, we, uh, as the church in Utah, a bunch of churches, we walked between um, March 1st and Easter 1,200 miles as a church, uh, bunches of churches working together, praying over our community, praying over our town, and just letting God work in our own lives. And so I just want to say, if you're interested in downloading an app, there's a Utah campaign. You probably won't want to join that, but there's a global campaign. And maybe if enough of you do it, they'll start something like a Boise or an Idaho campaign. But it's a, it's a great tool, and it's just like a walking or a running app where you just start it, and it'll track your miles, and it'll track what you, what you do, and how many prayer walks, and all those sorts of things. So if you just want to even uh, exercise that, but 
instead of doing an exercise app, you want to start taking your exercise time and adding a spiritual component, grab the walk and pray. You can still track your miles and keep moving. Um, the other piece is that uh, as Intermountain Church planners, uh, we've got a resource for you. If you want a prayer resource um, of actually how to pray, once you work through some of the things I was, I'm going to tell you about in just a second, um, then you might decide you want to pray for people. You might want to get to that supplication piece that I mentioned earlier, and you might want to pray for the houses that you're walking by, and you might want to start praying for what Josh was just talking about, about churches being planted, and you might want to pray for these neighborhoods that you walk through, and we've got a resource for that, and so if you want to hit this QR code uh, and, and, and sign up there, we can send you that prayer resource as well. Um, so, Let's keep moving, uh, because the next piece is after you create the space, the quiet time, you have to tell God the truth. <clears throat> and I'm a, I'm a pastor. I, I, get the, I get to look at people every day. Um, our office admin, I feel terrible for because I asked her just a couple weeks ago, like, so how you doing? She's like, I'm doing great. I'm like, well... I, I didn't say this, but I'm like, your face isn't saying it. It's, it's great. So it's like, it's been a couple hard weeks, hasn't it? That's what I said. And she's like, you could tell that it's been a couple hard weeks? I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of do this for a living. I can look at people and I can tell if you're doing okay. Because I'm a pastor. And, and it kind of just is a lot of practice and, and watching and, and doing counseling and all that sort of thing. But what I've realized is I don't always know what I'm feeling. <laughs> but... Here's, here's what happens when I get into the presence of God, when I make that space. It's amazing what happens inside of my soul because I often can't be honest with myself about how I'm feeling until I'm in the presence of our creator. And then I can't lie anymore. <laughs> and so here's the most important thing is if you're going to do this, if you're going to make space, if you're going to practice silence and solitude, you have to tell God the truth and this is actually something that I think Samuel didn't learn from Eli. I think he learned it from his own mom. Because when she gave him to Eli, the priest, she gave this amazing prayer. And this is part of it in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3. It says this, Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. Let me just translate this for you. It's God knows it when you're BSing him, okay? It's like he knows. He's a God who knows. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, God, things are great. My life is good. Thank you for all the amazing things. Life is hard. Jesus also said, in this world, you will have troubles, <laughs> right? This is the reality of the situation we're in. And so you got to come and you got to talk with them. And so we were talking about that confession piece and the ACTS acronym. And I've always thought about confession being confessing sin. And that's certainly part of it. But I was listening to this guy who is a police officer and his name is Jamie Winship. And he says, guess what? When I arrest somebody and I ask them to write out a confession, I'm not asking them to write out, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry on a piece of paper. I want them to tell me the truth about actually what happened. And so if you want to act, learn to, to truly confess to God, don't just go to him and say, God, I'm so sorry that I did that. It's like, no, actually tell them what is happening inside of your soul at that very moment. And then 
that's how you actually make space inside of you. You may, you may have made time and space in your schedule, but the way that you actually create space for God to fill it in, in your soul is you have to tell him the truth because then he actually knows you bared your soul, you've opened it up to him, and he says, yes, I, I can do something with that. Because God doesn't work with dishonesty. If you want to go and spend a lot of time in silence and solitude and feel like a failure, one thing you can do is go and spend time with God and never tell him the truth. Because he won't work with that. He just doesn't. Because he can't work, from you, work with you if you're self-deceived. And so we have to be honest with where we're at. The, the next piece is this, is that we have to Listen, <laughs> which is often hard, and it's all throughout the Bible we're being told to listen. But here's an encouraging piece in James 1.5. Uh, we're actually told that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Here, here's, here's another promise from God, is that we're actually told that it doesn't matter if you feel like you're a good person or a bad person or if you've done terrible things or whatever. God says he's willing to give you wisdom if you ask for it. That's what he's, he's saying. But here's the thing is, how many questions are you asking God in your prayer life? Because I know that for most of my, my Christian life, I, I didn't ask God a lot of questions. But this says, ask God. How many of you want wisdom in your life? How many of you don't feel like you don't know what in the world you're doing most of the time? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically what he's saying. Actually, the, uh, the message version says, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. It's like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. And guess what? God is a God. He's God. Okay? He knows how to do everything. And so it's like, if you actually want to know how to do everything, it's like, just ask him, and he'll start to teach you. Just ask questions. Now, what do you expect to receive in return when you ask a question? An answer. It's as, you know, I don't know. I just think, I'm looking at these stained glass windows. It's, it's, they're beautiful. And it's just like, you, you expect that if you're standing right here, you might actually hear the audible voice of God. But I just want to say, that's not necessarily what you should expect. When you focus on God, and you pray and you ask questions of God, you're, you're, you're actually turning your face towards him. He starts to speak through our thoughts. And there's a bunch of scriptures I could take you to uh, to prove this, but I don't have time for that. And so I'm going <laughs> to, this is terrible, I'm going to quote Dallas Willard, okay? Because I know you guys like him. Uh, I've heard Josh quote him, so I'm going to do that. Uh, it says, he says, all the, all the ways in which a message comes from within the experience of the person addressed, the form of one's own thoughts and attending feelings is the most common path for hearing God, for those who are living in harmony with God. And for those of you who are out there a little nervous because I didn't say go to the Bible first, I, I do believe that most of the time I, I hear from God it actually comes through scripture verses, like the one I mentioned earlier that Josh preached on last week in Matthew chapter 11, or it comes through psalms or actual songs that we sing here in church every Sunday. Those are often the ways in which God speaks, and then I know his voice, and I don't have time to, 
go through all the different ways in which you need to really look at his voice. And so go to one of your groups, okay? And go and, and, and talk with your people in your group to figure out how they have learned to discern the voice of God. And if you want to go talk with one of the pastors here, that's great as well. Um, I'm going to skip the message uh, verse, just by the way, since I quoted it earlier, and move on to the, the next point, which is do what he says. Do what he says. As opposed to doing whatever you want, right? So if you've made space for God by actually taking time and then, and then actually, you know, confessing, and then God actually fills it with his word, he speaks to you, I just want to say, actually do that. Because if you do that, this is actually what they call repentance. We're walking through the process of confession. Tell God the truth. And then repentance is when you hear his voice, when you, whether it's through your word, through the Bible, or actually through the Spirit, do what it says, and that always leads to transformation. What happens when we do that is the same thing that, that we're, we see in the Second Corinthians verses. The same God who brought light out of darkness brings light into our soul because God is giving us the path that leads to life. And if we walk down to it, it will always lead us to life. That's how God works. But if we don't do it, we can't just expect to hear his voice you will feel good for a moment, but then if you don't walk down that path, it won't continue to feel good. It'll actually feel really bad. And what will happen is if you continue to hear God's voice and then you keep not doing what he says, then he'll stop talking. Maybe, hopefully, just for a little while. But he, it's kind of like my, my son. If he comes to me and he says, hey, Dad, what, what can I do to help around the house? And I go, you know, son, you do a lot, but what I want you to do is really just go clean your room because it's a mess. And then, you know, the next day he asked me the same question, and, and I'm like, well, son, you haven't cleaned your room yet. I'm not going to give you another task unless you actually do the thing I actually asked you to do. And then he asked me every day. It's like, what am I supposed to say to that question if he keeps asking me over and over and over and never does it? Now, there's a passage that Jesus speaks in Matthew 7 Verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears the, these words of mine and put them, puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So the only difference between the man, um, later it says the man who builds his house on the sand, doesn't have a foundation, and the one who builds his house on a rock is that one guy does what God says. The other guy hears the word still, but just doesn't do it. It just doesn't lead to lasting transformation. It doesn't do anything for us, right? So this is the path that if you want to actually experience a successful silence and solitude, you, you should start walking. It's finding a quiet place. It's telling God the truth. It's listening to his voice and then just doing what he says. It's very simple. It's not hard, <laughs> but it, it, it does amazing things. Because honestly, the, the reason why I'm even standing here in front of you was because of what happened when I heard God's voice on that prayer walk, February 1st, 2021. The things I heard there led me to the path that brought me here. And I, I just want to say God is going to do the same with you. He wants to lead you down a path of life, a path of peace, a path where you actually get to live out the type of person that he made you to be, and he's ready to do that inside of you now. The 2 Corinthians 4, 6, I'm going to read it one more time. 
For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now, I'm just going to practice this with you, okay? So, yeah, if the band wants to come on up, we're going to take a time and a moment to pray. Okay? And this is just an opportunity for you to listen. So, let's just bow our heads and... Commune with the Father. Lord, I, we come to you right now, and we're grateful for what you're doing inside of each soul in this room, in this building. And Lord, I just pray for your presence to come here. We know that your word says that you never will leave us or forsake us. Lord, so we know you're here because you never leave us. And so we pray for your protection. And Lord, I just pray, would you do a work inside of each person here? Would you just bring to the surface a common negative emotion that they experience? And if, if something came to mind, just tell God the truth about that real quick. Take just a few, few moments. Tell them what you've been experiencing around that. I don't know if it's anxiety, depression, frustration, fear, anger. Talk to him. Lord, would you just do something real subtle as they're telling you the truth? Would you just reveal right now the first time they remembered experiencing that emotion? Lord, I pray for your protection again over every single person here. Just bring that to mind, that memory, that moment. Lord, help them to see it. Maybe even to build this memory in their mind. And I know some of the memories might be hard. Your word says, never will you leave us or forsake us. We just quoted that. And so you, we know you were there that very day in that very moment where they were experiencing that emotion. Experiencing some trauma or hurts, maybe. And Lord, I, I pray, will you show yourself? Where were you in that day? Lord, what we need right now, more than anything, is for you to speak. That's dark. That memory is dark. And we need your light to shine into it. And so, Lord, would you come and would you speak your word into that memory, into that moment? What would you have told them if they were aware of you that day? What would you like to tell them now, Lord? Would you just speak your voice? Shine light into the darkness. Lord, thank you. I know some people here heard you. Lord, I know that what you did is you, you brought newness and peace and joy because of your word. 
Lord, and I pray you would encourage those who didn't because I know as I've led others through it, most of the time that's just me asking the wrong questions. And so, Lord, I pray that as they come to you with their truth and they make the space to hear your voice, Lord, that you would show up and speak because your word promises us over and over that you're willing. Lord, fill them up. Lord, and I lift this church to you. Lord, I pray blessing on them that this would become a church where the voice of the Lord is not rare, but it is happening every day, in every life, in every community. Lord, and we lift all this up in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.